Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. I don't do this often because I got suspended by YouTube. Because I had James Lindsay on and that son of a bitch told the truth. They don't like that over there. Can you fucking believe it? It's very upsetting. Very upsetting. But silver lining. Silver lining is I get to have fucking Malcolm Flex on the show right now. This dude is a savage. He's built like a shit brick house. And he also steals souls on the regular. We've been following each other for a long time. And I'm like... And this dude just gets nuked constantly because he's just constantly killing people verbally, verbally. And uh, <laughs> he just keeps coming back. And his account go- grows bigger every time. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Anyways, without further ado, Mr. Malcolm Flex. What's up, brother? What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I think today's been relatively peaceful. We've just been uh, chatting it up about Latinas, gas station food, and condom integrity. So <laughs> you don't have to worry about me today. <laughs> I'm not in supervillain mode yet. Wait, wait, wait. What, what's this condom integrity action? I don't know what that means. Oh, man. Talking about gas station condoms and all the products <laughs> that you can get there at a gas station. And it has started quite, quite a war. You know, we got Zeke Arkham weighing in, Christina Pashaw drop, dropping in to uh, make the distinguish, uh, you know, distinguish between a Bucky's. Man, just, <laughs> uh, you know, you, you, you think you're going to live tweet just. You know, something innocuous just because, you know, you had some good breakfast biscuits at a gas station. You're like, dang, man, every good thing I've had just come from a gas station. And then next thing you know, there's a freaking holy war. But, uh, <laughs> hey, well, I missed that one, unfortunately. I was I was too occupied today. Um, uh, I I was out on a date earlier tonight, and then I come back. I, I end up, I start with this beautiful Russian woman, and then I end up with this giant black man. I feel like I fucked up somewhere <laughs> along the line. Um, you're but, doing you know. drinks, man. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Stick with the vodka. Don't uh, <laughs> go with the Hennessy. Yeah, right. Um, all right, man. Well, for those that don't know who you are, if you could just give us kind of like a little synopsis. All right. All right. Cool. So, uh, pretty much, I go by Malcolm Flex again. You know, nothing really. Let's see. My what? Is, what is my bio now? I think uh, now my, my bio says high capacity shit poster and uh, shit post analyst, which basically describes me. You know, throwing a little bit Pretty of good. politics, and then you know I talk just uh, some about some fitness uh, content. So I'm really trying to make a nice hard pivot towards you know things that people can kind of implement in their daily life because only thing you can really do about politics right now is be mad until it's time to vote. And yep. so, and honestly, you know, best government's no government, right? Or hey. li- limited government. So no, 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 you were right first. No, no, government. Uh, uh, guys, dude, we got to slowly walk them into it. We gotta, we gotta, you know, feed them, <laughs> give them the gateway drug. You know, that right. limited government. But <laughs> that's me. So honestly, that's uh, what I got cooking up. So nice, man. Back. What, what, uh, what part of the country? And if it, if it's publicly mm-hmm. known, I don't know. Oh uh, man, we in God's country down here. You know, the deep south. So, nice, nice. Loving well, it, I- loving it. I'm I'm in Florida now. I uh, I started. I spent the majority of my life in California, so I'm I'm a, a transplant. But I absolutely love the, I mean, the the people, the weather, and then also the fact that you know they don't mandate shit that I have to put in my body. So it's a it's a oh, huge yeah. upgrade. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like I know maybe this is a weird angle to take it right off the bat, but obviously you're built like what. Did you have you always been a gym rat or like did that did that come a, across later in your life? 
You know what? Honestly, I think uh, it didn't come later. It came fairly early, like um, probably sometime around teen years. I think after I turned 15 or 16, I I was just like, you know, so, sort of cashing in on that little late stage growth spurt. But also I was a fat kid for most of my life. So hmm. automatically, if you're a fat kid, you know, you're a little bit stronger than everybody else because you carry more weight normally. Right, so, right. you know, I got tired of, uh, you know, being a fat kid everybody picked on. I was like, you know, I also play football a lot and I was tired of being a lineman. So I was like, you know, let me uh, see if I can, you know, work out some, you know, see if there's some to it. So from 16 on, I was just, you know, I, I entered the manlet stage and then, you know, from there went to grown man, basically grown man mode. You know, you, you're looking at like a six foot three, 200 pound, uh, you know, 16 year old. And, you know, here I'm sitting, sitting up here still thinking I'm small and, you know, I'm, I'm over here towering over my pops, you know, may he rest in peace. And, you know, it's just like, dude, like at some point I, I just blew up and it just the love for the gym really came after I probably got out of uh, sports and lifting performatively. Oh, like, a, um, yeah, man. Why, I, did, I, why I did it kick in after? Cause like you, you would think it would be while you were still like passionately pursuing some. Nah, man. Uh, at that point, it's just, it's kind of like a means to an end, you know, when you're, uh, mm -hmm. when you're lifting for a sport, you know, your, your real love is seeing, seeing what happens on the field, you know, seeing the translation, you know, for me, again, uh, before I switched to tight end, it was linebacker. So, you know, I if I felt like I was a little bit stronger when it came to taking on blocks, I was like, okay, cool. Maybe there's something to this. Maybe I'll lift a little bit more weight. It was never, dude, I can't wait to wake up at 6 a.m. and uh, get in the weight room and have coach right. screaming at, you know, screaming at me and then go run stadiums. Like, I, it was never like that. Yeah. It was always, I wanted to see it happen on the field. Yeah. And so afterwards, you know, you start to really – you know, you start to really assess yourself and, you know, you just see how lifting just sort of helps helps you in life and how you look different and feel different from everybody else. And then it's like, OK, you know, and then you delve into form and, you know, really like looking at like the the minutia of lifting. Also doing a little bit of track and field also helped out as well, because, mm -hmm. you know, that's like pure technique. And so it's like once you really fall in love with the art and the technique then you and you get good at it then you're lifting for a different purpose now the end is literally to be better at lifting and that's right. also the means is uh lifting more weight so that's how that kind of happened yeah it's interesting <clears throat> i uh i think i remember i started lifting when i was like 16 as well i had i, I well i had decent athleticism but like my my high school there was a thousand kids in my graduating class so like you had to be like almost a at least a lower level college quality athlete to make the team. So I was last man out on my basketball team and it was like the most heartbreaking experience of my life. Um, I was literally like 13th man on the squad and there was 12. So it fucking, it sucked. But uh, from that, I, I kind of, you know, I started to lift heavy and, and I got into that for a little bit, fell totally out of it after a friend passed away. And I was just like super depressed for like yes. five years. And then um, from like 25 until now, I've been lifting, you know, sometimes six days a week. And then now I'm, you know, down to probably three just because I'm so dedicated to my show right now. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is really, it's such a powerful thing to feel powerful. I know it sounds mm -hmm. kind of uh, <laughs> no, performative dude, or something, but no, it's that's true profound. though. That's profound, dude. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, it really like you, the, the way you carry yourself, particularly like, 
it kills me because I see all these guys, especially in my scene, which is like the libertarian movement. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dudes that have, because they're like, they're more cerebral. They're not like yeah, per- personable. So I'm like, like, dude, if you could just, if you could just carry yourself with that air of confidence, it changes everything. It changes yeah. everything. Like when mm-hmm. I, I remember as soon as I got into shape, it was like all these girls. Cause I, I, I remember I was a, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, Oh, this is the other reason I didn't make the basketball team. When I was a sophomore in high school, I weighed under a hundred pounds and I was five foot four. I'm now six one two ten, so like shit changed a lot. But yeah. at the, I came back after my from my sophomore year to my junior year. I start lifting and I put on seven inches of height, so I was five eleven in my junior year. Yes, and sir. all these girls, all these girls that were my friends, started coming up. To, they didn't even recognize me, and they're just like, "Who are you?" And they're like, they're like basically hitting on me. And I was like, "Oh, this is this is a way better way to live, man. <laughs> this is so much better." So I try I try to get people on that path because it just it really does improve your mm-hmm. life, and, and not just the the female interest but also just business too like that gets downplayed a lot if you if you you carry yourself well like people will respect you more in the business world too dude you will kill you will close so many deals just by looking different than the sell the last salesman that just came and made their pitch or you know last person man it's uh it's literally post physique in real life you know (laughs) like like literally though you know have you heard do you know uh, the whole uh, the ethos behind post physique? No, no, fill me in, dude. So basically, it's this whole thing that was uh, popularized by the golden one. It's like you know we can argue conjecture and political theory, or you know whatever theory that you want to argue, and all the principles and all of this, uh, whatever particular ideology. So say I'm arguing with a commie, and he's talking about like oh you know caring for the poor, redistributing wealth, and you know the one percent. But then you look at his physique, and his physique is terrible. Okay, I can't I can't believe the thing that you're saying, because you don't even have the basic integrity to, um, you know, first and foremost, worry about your body and abide by principles that are going to allow you to live a better life in that respect. So how can I respect anything else that you're talking? That's way more complicated. True. So, you know, that's literally requisite. Mm hmm. And, you know, that spills over into everything. I tell people, you know, I tell people it's like you said, the confidence is. And, you know, it's the confidence that you have and that you convey, but it's also the confidence that people have in you. Like, hey, this guy puts in some serious work. Like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm all for this guy. You know, that's it. It's a it's a force multiplier in your life. True. Sorry. Yeah. No, Again. I mean, it, it's that it's that. And also, like, it's one of uh, especially with the social media where it's like it's like the one thing you can't fake. Like, I, I know they're just, they're probably working on implants and shit for calves and biceps and stuff, but like, you really can't fake it. Like if you're, if you're a built dude, you are dedicated, like you're putting time yeah. in and, uh, and that's just something that you can't, you can't buy it at the store. You got to really like, you got to really grind at it. And, yep. and I think that it also shows, it shows a level of work ethic that obviously you'll assume that they have the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, then they probably have a capacity to get the job done in whatever I'm hiring them for. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's, it really does speak a lot more to people than, than I think people give it credit. Like they, they may not even like be thinking it, um, you know, consciously, but like people see someone who's in shape. Like if, if you sat down and you were like, yo, I want a business, I want to like partner on something with you, but mm-hmm. I'm listening, you know, I'm listening. I'm going to take you more seriously that. And that's kind of like step one. If you're trying mm-hmm. to close a sale is like, are they actually going to give you the time of day? If I walk in there and I'm looking schlubby as a motherfucker and they're just like, <laughs> I don't, I don't really care what you got to say. No so. one wants that at all. <laughs> you know? um, so you're, you're a, a dad too. Uh, that's uh, something I'd like to talk about a little bit. I'm, I am not a dad, even though I'm old as hell. Um, I, <laughs> when, when did you, when did you become a father? How old were you? 
Uh, let's see. My uh, oldest, she's four now. So Jesus Christ, you know, the years are such a blur. I was 25 um, when I actually had my first one. And, you know, I'm actually a part of a blended family. So I was in the pre- So uh, I was actually helping take care of my wife's kids um, much earlier than that. So I think I was like 23 when we settled down. I think we were, we were together for about two years before we had our first kid. And Dang, so, um, you are yeah. from the south, they don't settle down that early on the coast, <laughs> yeah, man. I'm I'm telling you, uh, didn't even I, well, okay. I had my wild child phase in college again, playing football. You, sure. you see a lot of stuff, you do a lot of stuff in, in uh, college, so, so it's one of those things where I was already done with it, but yeah, man, I uh, I had my first kid at 25. She's uh, she is. <laughs> what can i say about it man she is she's a firecracker like sometimes and i I, and you know i always make this joke on twitter i'm like you know pray for the men in relationships with uh latinas you know just (laughs) take a second to say a prayer for that guy because it's not just because again the woman you know you you've got to be on tip-top game with her but also just because again like your kids man they are going going to be spicy and my little girl's spicy yeah, yeah. I, and then two, you know, two years, two years into that, we had my uh, little boy, and so I've got a two and a four year old running around in conjunction with an eight year old and a little thirteen year old running around, and so you know, you're dealing with all age groups, but the, wow. the little toddlers are just like you know, they're like miniaturized natural calamities waiting to happen if you turn your head. <laughs> it's like you've got to devote infinite amounts of attention to them, otherwise, man, you know, R.I.P. Good luck to you. You know, it's 88 <laughs> out the gate, off to the races. We're done. <laughs> so, well, hey, be be straight with me. Is it is it worth it? I know, I know, I know you're gonna say yes, but like, is it worth it? Really, really, really. Have you done at least 60% or are you on a trajectory to where you feel like it's going to carry you into almost everything you want to do in your life? And you can add, let's say, a time disruptor up to about 40% of your daily activities. If you're yeah. to where if you're to there where you feel like that's not going to like completely derail you, it's totally worth it. Okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. fair. I, I I love that you put it into to percentages so I could actually process that. I'm a business guy, so that, that works. Yeah. And a finance guy, so that works perfectly mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. I mean, it's always, um, it's funny because like I always said when I was growing up, like uh, my dad in particular was a workaholic. So I was like, I'm going to have my shit together before I become a dad because I don't want to have that yeah. dynamic where like he's mm-hmm. spending... 80 hours in the office. I see him, you know, 10 hours a week, maybe. Um, but then I got there and I like, I had, I had jeopardized and sacrificed and essentially destroyed so many relationships with these yeah. incredible women over throughout my, my, uh, my twenties and now through my thirties. And then finally I get ready to settle down and it's like, Oh man, now, now they're gone. <laughs> now they're gone. I, I blew it. Um, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. There's, there's still options out there, but I was about to say, bro, like, you, like, what are you talking about, man? We're, we're, we were in a bar, you know, it was this Russian chick. She was all over you and you chose to take me home. Like, dude, come on. No, that's true. That's true. That's true. I, no, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just playing around, but, yeah. um, it definitely, like, I just feel like I, I waited a really long time. You know, I just turned 40 a couple months ago. So it's like, that's, you know, for, I know like in the modern American way, like that's not too yeah, late to be a dad. Um, but it is, it is kind of like, mm-hmm. I feel, I feel like a clock ticking, which for a man is a weird thing to say. I'm like, Oh shit, I better get this together. Cause I don't want to be a, a dad at like 65. Who's got a, you know, 16 year old at home. Like that'd be wild. So yeah. Anyways, I'm saying ladies hit me up. 
let's let's make this happen. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? We're opening we're opening the auction, uh, starting bidding at. <laughs> I retired uh, two years ago. I drive a I drive a brand new Corvette. I'm just throwing it out there, ladies. Um, hey, dude's got the Corvette. He's already in the midlife crisis, man. This guy moves fully, fast. Go fully, with it. dude. No, it's so funny. It's so funny because I I got on a a waiting list for the Corvette three years ago because it was the brand new like the rear engine yeah, one that's super sick, sick. probably the best car ever made. And 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 then it, I like I take delivery like basically right before I turned forty, and I was like, oh shit, this is a midlife crisis. Like, <laughs> but I had ordered it three years ago, so I feel like maybe not. I don't know. Um, no, no, no. Right. you're waiting. Yeah, dude. Oh man, that's that's amazing. I'm look. I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> but uh, no, I'm serious. I, I do I do want a Corvette eventually though. That oh, dude, is a, uh, have you driven it? No, I've never oh, bro. driven one. If I ever meet you, I'm gonna let you drive it because that thing is yeah, I'm telling you, I've yeah. driven a lot of nice cars. This thing is special. Like dude, I was just in Florida earlier this week. Oh man, God. Oh, I, I would have let you drive it for real. I'm in Miami. Uh, so oh, shit. You blew it. Uh, I know I totally blew it. I, I screwed the pooch. Um <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about Jack, Jack Pasovic. Like that dude, that dude retweets you all the time. Like he seems like he's one of your biggest supporters. Is Are you guys personal friends or, or yeah. just like long-term Twitter? Yeah, personal friends, man. Uh, really we started out as long-term Twitter, but you know, honestly, like I said, we, uh, we text every now and again, you know, we uh, communicate in memes again, every now and again, he lets me <laughs> take a peek at the, uh, you know, the old Poso uh, loaded uh, meme hard drive. I'm not sure that everybody knows about that. And I might have given away classic classified information. <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, he actually had me on a show and show. Uh, I, I want to say a couple weeks back. It was. Oh, was really? I missed that. Yeah. That's cool. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's like 330 something. I can't remember which one it was. But um, yeah, dude is uh, like the dude, the quality guy. And honestly, you know, it's not like some of these stodgy dudes that are pretty like, you know, like all the thing about is politics. You know, he's well-rounded. Right. And so it's uh, one of those things where, you know, they say say don't meet the people that you, you know, don't meet your heroes. Obviously, right. that's kind of weird. But, you know, don't meet the people that you like. But I'd say this is like one of the rare exceptions where, you know, the guy that you see online truly is the guy that is. actually yeah. is. Mm -hmm. So that's, it's literally that. Yeah, that's how I feel about Dave Smith. He was he was kind of my. Really? Yeah, he was my hero and kind of then he became my mentor and then he became my friend. So it's it's a uh, a very weird arc when that happens. I, I've, mm -hmm. I've never obviously I've never had it happen in my life up until now. Um, but now I have like a whole bunch of the people in the libertarian. Like I have Judge Andrew Napolitano, which I watched on TV for years. Ooh. And now he's on my show every week. And it's just my life is uh, totally surreal. Like it, it just yeah. absolutely does not feel real right now, but not complaining and, and trying not to revel in it too much because, no. you know, you got to pretend like you've been here. Um, yeah. But I, I wanted to ask you about that, man. I, I'm actually, I'm on Timcast uh, in a couple of days. I'm on, on Tuesday. It sounds as if you may be on in a couple of weeks. Did I read that right? Yeah. As far as I know, uh, reading the tea leaves, uh, we've got something tentatively planned for the uh, end of the month. So we're going to see how well that goes. And, you know, I think uh, literally smack dab the 31st, I believe. And so nice. Right now, yeah. So you've been on there I mean, before, right? Yeah, I, I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was near the near near the beginning of the pandemic. And so I'm definitely going to take a couple of victory laps. I'm going to have a uh, much better hairline than I had back then. Because, man, I was I was roughing it like even <laughs> like even literally up until like this past weekend where i was like dude I've, I've got to get a haircut like i was in full blown 
ape mode, like just sideburns <laughs> out of control, like the hairline crisp, crispity, crunchity. And so, yeah, now I, I just finally have a basically crisp hairline. So we're going to see how well uh, that goes. And I'm, oh, my, my hairline is going to be tight for sure. I'll be all right. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah, I'm no, I, I'm, I'm so excited, man, because I, I was on there uh, about a year and a half ago. So like mm-hmm. middle of the pandemic, too. And I know you were on a little bit prior to me, but it was such a it was such a like incredible experience just to feel, you know, a hundred thousand eyes watching live and and having way more, you know, probably a million plus people that watch it over time and or, or listen yeah. to it. And you're just like, that's just something that I don't think people can like if you haven't that's done it, you, you really can't know what it's what it is. No, it's crazy. And I mean, I was on when I didn't have a Twitter account. What was your experience, though, uh, you know, kind of going on and then after you got off and, you know, how how did that go? Yeah, I uh, I mean, it's not it's it's not as if like so many people watch it that all of a sudden you become a figure that like you walk in the grocery store and they're like, oh, I saw you. Um, But it it definitely it like I had just started my show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a couple months prior, basically. So I ended up racking like a thousand fifteen hundred or something youtube subscribers i i racked a couple thousand twitter followers which like i can do that in a day now so like that's not that big of a deal um, but i was a very small account back then you know like no yeah. one know, knew who i was so it was really um you know I more than OG clint what's that I, I remember the og clint now yeah well thank you thank you uh yeah i mean but but like at the time very few people knew about me so it was just it was just such a uh i don't know it felt like like arriving kind of you know, just to be like, but more than that, it was like, it was just about getting that under my belt to be yeah. like, I can do this without like having a panic attack and sprinting out of the room. Cause like, I honestly didn't know if I could do it at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a hard one, man. Uh, I was about to say, do you have a little, uh, like, do you have a little, uh, stage anxiety, so to speak or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I I've had an anxiety disorder for years. So like I've, I have had panic attacks, but, um, for whatever reason, since I started my show, I think because I'm like, I'm more in alignment with my passions in life. I think my anxiety was largely derived from the fact that I wasn't fully pursuing my passion. Like, even though I had a a good life and I was happy and I was successful, um, you know, the fact that I like, I'm now trying to, you know, wake the world up to Liberty. it, Mm -hmm. it, It definitely has kind of, it subdued those subconscious think demons or whatever I was dealing with. So I feel like I'm in a better place. Um, but still, you know, still, you know, you're going to talk to a million people like that's that's intense. Exactly. Exactly, man. It's, uh, and you're I mean, you're 110 percent correct. It's like a divine commission almost. You know, the purpose really makes the you and your own flaws sort of shrink down. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, it's, it's a bigger great thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's one of those things where, you know, whether or not you you do good or you bomb, you know, you can sort of hold your head high. And so I understand it like yeah. 110%. Well, but, you said you didn't have a Twitter account. How'd you, how'd you even get on? How'd they know about you? Oh man. Uh, honestly, it's just cause I kind of made waves with a couple of people, uh, you know, sort of behind the scenes. And I was uh, friends with lids as well. So, uh, ah, gotcha. you know, mm-hmm. and even now again, I'm, I'm still sort of, you know, we're still uh, pre- pretty decent friends, still uh chat. And so I'm, you know, now, now that I think it's uh, Cassandra does a lot of the booking again, I had also built a relationship there, you know, kind of cursory, not like anything like, you know, serious or like, you know, like DMing or a lot of texting, like, you know, she shares pictures of the monkey 
<laughs> that, sounds hor- that sounds so horrible, but hey, this is a like that is an unfiltered, you know. Let's go, but no. in a G in a G way, not in a R way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, honestly, it's, no, she's the best. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but uh, you know, just it's it's all about relationships at the end of the day. That's the one thing I've I've learned, and you know, that's because I used to do sales before. Again, I I really delved into uh, research and all that stuff, so. Again, building relationships, you know, they take you everywhere. Somehow I end up on Timcast. Somehow I end up on You Are Here, you know, rest in peace to that. That was that was amazing. But, uh, you know, somehow I've ended up just like falling into a lot of shows inadvertently due to, you know, things like this. Like, I know I was just on Two Feds and, and the Truth with Crypto Lawyer, you know, made friends with them out of nowhere. And so I've done quite a bit. And it's just off of having a relationship with people. I don't. I don't take what I do seriously. I, I'm barely even monetized, really. I don't even think that I make a whole lot of actually like I I think uh, every now and again I still get like a four dollar subscription to my Substack or something. Like I don't take it that seriously. I'm not like moving as if this is a business, it's just something I do for fun. And yeah. so you know, honestly well, I'm, I'm gonna tell you though, as as someone who is an entrepreneur, you know, long time, decades I've been an entrepreneur. You got something. You got a spark to you. I'm telling you, you should you should try and make this. If it's your passion, if it's your passion, and and if you don't lose the joy, because I think there's something about the fact that you're not making it yeah. your your career that there's there's like a just a brutality that you approach Twitter with that I don't want you to lose. So like maybe don't monetize it and just continue to drag fool, fools online because that that brings joy to my life. <laughs> I'm just to hold the belt. Look for a bicep shot, right? Dude, you for real murder people online. It's so funny. It's my favorite thing. And I always know like when it gets too out of hand and I'm like, oh shit, Flex is gone, dude. Like he's, his account's going to be gone by tomorrow, but it was worth it. It's like you can, you can sit, like you just put your hand, oh God, they've got their finger over the button. They're about to do it. They're about to press it. <laughs> And you know, you know, they're mass reporting, but no, I, I like, I appreciate that. Cause I'm the type that like, now that I built my account up to, you know, 65,000 followers, I'm like, I ain't risking shit. If, if someone talks mm. crap to me, I just block them and I move on. Yeah. Like I, I am not doing the quote tweet drag mm. thing and I could do it. I can do it for sure. Yeah. But like, no, mm. not going to do it. And then it's <laughs> just like, I'm going to break you Yolo. publicly in front of everybody. YOLO. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really like I'll just see people and I'll just like and I'll just think something and I'll just chuckle about it and I'll be like, ooh, that's a tweet. Like literally the affinity with Twitter is so amazing only because of the fact that like I'm literally a like a random person, like literally shoot from the hip. Like I'll be like reading something political and the next thing you know, I got a tweet about tweet about like uh you know somebody doing deadlift stronger i got a tweet about this and that so i'll literally be reading bad comments about me like they're kind of chuckling about him now i say oh hey you know what this guy looks like a this guy looks like a great value oj simpson now and then all of a sudden there comes a comes a tweet about the, the expired juice from walmart instead of the real oj like literally like stuff like that literally just kind of pops in my head and that's why oh, twitter is just so easy I got to give you credit, dude, because you have you have improved my shit talking game because like your level of creativity. I'm not even I'm not even kidding. Like I am now I have like put myself I, I like I put myself in flex mode. I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and steal a student's soul right now. And and I will I will like look at his I'll look at his profile pic and I'll be like, all right, what's what's like what's the thing that's going to actually injure him emotionally? <laughs> <laughs> okay, and how can I, I and how can I say it as funny as possible? And then that's what I go with. 
<laughs> uh, you're trying to verbally violate the Geneva Convention. That's yes, the best exactly. way to think about it. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. It, it, it is awesome just, you know, kind of having a quick wit, a quick mind. But, you know, growing up, something like that really does work against you when you're when you're a lot younger. And it's like it, it creates problems with communicating with people. That's one of my well, biggest issues. Unless you're 6'3", 225, then you might be all right. Yeah, no. Yeah, now I'm about 6'5", 240-ish. Whoa. Know. Damn, yeah. you grew even more. That's crazy, dude. I know. I know. Uh, when I got into college, like I said, I, I, I really did. Gr- you know, I was in manlet mode. That was manlet mode right there. This is, <laughs> now, now we're we're pushing grown man weight. I can't believe so. that six three two hundred is manlet. I'm like, that's that's bigger than me now. But uh, yeah, yeah I mean, there's just we aren't. Not everyone's built the same. I mean, uh, genetics are funky. You know, it's, for real. It, it, was your dad just a giant? No, my dad was only like six one. But uh, wow. Yeah, the great grandparents are both my sides, and this is this is a funny thing, you know. It, it, genes they love to just sort of take a quick break, and then all of a sudden <laughs> reemerge, yeah. and they always do it in uh, like the most unlikely fashion. So, what were the odds that I would have like two six foot five and six foot six great grand, you know, great grandfather? Like, my, my dad would always say, uh, you know, flex man, you, yeah, you know, you, you, your great granddaddy Coke, yeah. You know, he he could uh, that man, him and a couple of his friends could pick up a car. Like he'd tell me these old uh, these old country boy strong stories and stuff, and I just I'd revel in it. And dude, no one was that tall back in the early 1900s. Like yeah. that's like that's freakish height. That's like shack height mm-hmm. for like 1910 or whenever they were around. That's wild. Yeah, man. It's uh like I said, it's one of those weird things where you know you don't even like when when you're you have a special trait like that, like just being tall or something. Like you don't really notice it. And, you know, you just sort of walk around not realizing until somebody walks up to you and says, dude, you are huger. Dude, you're tall. <laughs> like, oh, shoot, really? I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I am. Well, I, I, I now have all these friends from the libertarian sphere that I'm 6'1", you know, 210, uh, oh, yeah. 210, 215, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, for them, I'm a giant, yeah. you know, but like I, I grew up in San Diego where like I was just normal like most most of the guys that i knew were all give or take my height and, and size um but yeah it's i i'm basically trying to relate to you but without having the freakish height and strength and width you know? don't worry like the it's diminishing returns once you get anywhere like i think you're you're kind of in the sweet spot right there like true, uh, you true. Know, six foot one is six foot one is a great height you know plenty of nfl players that call six foot one big you know yeah well and and also like no girls are going to be like Oh, he's too tall, and and no girl is gonna be like he's too short. So, hey, I'm I'm in the I'm in the sweet spot, as you said. Broadest uh, pool. What's that? I think you got the broadest pool. Yeah, no, for real, it's true. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how how you I mean, because you you do go down the political lane, uh, mm-hmm. relatively regularly. <clears throat> is that is that familial? Like, did your did your family take you down this path, or is this something that you just came to naturally? Nah, and honestly, I think my folks, uh, you know, they sort of they sort of laugh off on my politics a lot. You know, my dad, he was sort of, uh, you know, a little bit disapproved. We could find some intersection every every now and again, you know. Uh, but honestly, if politics was never in our blood or pedigree or anything like that, it's it's always been, you know, just kind of mainline black American, you know, or a black uh, lower to uh, regular middle class politics, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know. We know uh, Democrats get in to make stuff expensive, but hey, they say nice things about us. So what the heck? We're we're just gonna vote Democrat. And that that's the guy that came to our church or something. So 
I got into politics in a weird kind of way because I was sort of vocal on Facebook. You know, I, I remember I, I started following this one group. It was called uh, the Grio or something. And it's like this. Uh, it's this nouveau black where they talk about like all the black issues and stuff are like, uh, you know, like black people are oppressed. And, oh, black people are being killed at this rate. And, you know, I had suddenly gotten exposed to like alternative data that said, hey, you know, the depths of black people are not as high. And, you know, I started out in race politics, but I quickly, you know, after I kind of got frustrated with every time I made a comment, just getting shouted down by like five or 10 different people, I was like, okay, you know what, let me try over here. I moved to Twitter and that's when, you know, you sort of fall into a couple of different groups, you find niches and stuff. And then I found a interesting niche when I found the Hoteps and, you know, that was actually kind of my start into becoming overtly political. But then, you know, again, stuff happens. You, you sort of outgrow a group, you know, move on. And sure. so and sort of moved on from there, went, went, you know, sort of went on to my own. And that's when, again, started uh, meeting guys like Cerno, Jack, uh, Will, you know, Chamberlain and all, all these guys. And just, you know, falling in with political characters and, of course, being black and just like talking about politics. It, all of a sudden you're like, a, you know, you're like a sacred cow to most normal. Know most conservatives they're like holy crap this a you know we got we got ourselves a trump card right here buddy <laughs> we got to market this hey, yeah. like johnny johnny was black but he he said he like trump <laughs> hey get on over here you, you i know it you know it's like that but then it, it sort of grew beyond that because i never really focused on race politics like it was always i've started talking things like geopolitics fiscal policy political strategies stuff of that nature and, you know, I would every now and again have the racial tweet. I every now and again have the obligatory Black Lives Matter is bad, but I never really went full. Democrats are the new plantation owners mode. Like right. you, you really never want to go that mode as a black conservative, because once you do, man, you are stuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's, that's all they count to you about. And well, so, I, I feel like, uh, you know, because I my my expertise, uh, because I was a mortgage broker and a finance guy. Mm -hmm. that i i kind of made my name talking about esg and oh, so like man. anytime i'm a guest on shows people want to talk to me about esg and mm -hmm. i and i i mm -hmm. i feel like that you could probably relate to that when you're a black guy in the conservative realm mm -hmm. they bring you on they probably want to talk about race politics is that yeah. is that true or no it's true for a lot of people but i'd say for me it's not and you know i don't know oh, that's interesting know, yeah for I don't know if you noticed it, but a lot of my followers don't even like make a lot of references to the black that fact that I'm a black conservative. Like if you were to do a search of uh, at Malcolm Flex and then black conservatives, like you, you wouldn't really see a lot of connection there. Like people just like my opinions just because. And, right. you know, I don't talk about race again. That's one of the main things that I kind of avoid. Like, you know, there's a large subset of uh, conservatives that really just go into think, you know, go into race politics, talk domestic race issues, talk or, you know, are called up upon to talk about why this police shooting was not racism. Right, or, right, right, you know, right. Why systematic racism is a myth and everybody just needs to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I'm not called on to talk about stuff like that. Like a lot of times I'm weighing in on Ukraine, Russia, the vaccine stuff like, you know, stuff of that nature. And yeah. You know, the other bit of time now, I'm just literally just talking about slice of life stuff at this point. Like I'm, I'm starting to make inroads there. You know, it's just it's a different feel, bro. Well, I think that just says that you you have a uh, a diverse skill set because I that's how I feel too. Is like I'm I'm much 
I like I have broader interests than that. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to just talk about ESG. Like yes, I know a lot about it, and yes, I can definitely school your audience up. But I'm like, let's just like mm-hmm. t- let's spend two minutes on it, and then let's go somewhere else where I've never been exactly. before. Um, well, let's let's get into that, man. Let's talk about the the Ukraine Russia thing. I, I uh, as you could probably sense as a libertarian, I'm very opposed to our intervention. Mm-hmm. I'm very opposed to our financial support of it. Uh, I I tend to believe that we are toying with nuclear holocaust i mean world war three it's casually so yeah i mean but but we can't even talk about it like you even bring that up and people like oh you're you're crazy i'm like look they have fucking more nukes than we do and they have better nukes than we do so yeah i'm gonna bring it up i'm gonna bring it up okay and and also this ukraine i don't know if y'all are aware of it but like this would be as if mexico was being taken over by china like would we allow that to happen no the fuck we wouldn't so so is is russia gonna allow it's mexico to become basically a, a vassal state for the United States or, or NATO or the UN, like absolutely not. They're not going to. So I just think people aren't aren't uh, aren't weighing the risks here. And obviously, it's a propaganda campaign to get people to go yeah. to sleep and not think about it. But but what's your what's your angle on it? Yeah. Um. So I would identify as not wanting to get baked alive or irradiated irradiated <laughs> by the RS twenty eight star mat. Yeah, but, there you go. Maybe, maybe I'm just in the minority. You know, I like the shade of black I'm in. I don't think that, you know, <laughs> black or, you know, a black that suddenly can't absorb all the spectrum of light is very fitting on me. So that's, uh, that's where I am. But, you know, in all, uh, in all seriousness, um, you know, this has been brewing for a while and we're basically sticking our nose in a regional conflict. And, I, I mean, honestly, we've had our nose there for a minute. You know, if you go all the way back to the uh, 2014 um, revolution of dignity or the the uh, Euromaidan, you know, where we are sending State Department assets, uh, particularly Newland, Clinton, characters like that over there to uh, stoke some of this, uh, you know, some of this fervor against the government, which let's be honest, it was always corrupt. And who I forgot, forgot who, who it was that was in at the time when, uh, no, before Zelensky, just before Zelensky, uh, who we actually installed. Uh, it'll sure. come. It'll come to me. I, I've, yeah. I've done. I've done like whole deep dives on this. Um, exactly. Yanukovych. It, yeah, Yanukovych. Yeah, it was yeah. like you know. Bef- Unfortunately, they just inherited a, a terrible situation. You know, when the oligarchs end up coming in and they call most of the shots, and a lot of these oligarchs are corrupt, like Ihor. Igor Kolomoisky and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. they've just got like deep tendrils in the media apparatus and everything. Like, what can you really do? But people were fed up. Um, people were fed up with that. And you know, the key, the key deal with our involvement with the Euromaidan is that we were basically keeping protests that would have fizzled out going. You know, things like booking musical performances, funding, uh, you know, advertising to get people out to the squ- in this square. You know in this old blast, you know, stoking up more dissent. And then, you know, also handing out blankets in like cold winter, keeping stuff going to the point where we are basically staging a color revolution to try to try to get them to overthrow and put in a, uh, you know, a Western friendly politician or figurehead. Like that's what we really ended up doing. And that's, you know, we made it so bad that now it's, it's gotten to the point where Russia's, all of a sudden actually going over it, they're saying like, okay, guys, that's enough. You guys are talking about joining, uh, getting them to join NATO right now. And also, also there was a whole thing where when they took Crimea and, you know, 
Ukraine decided to actually cement the water supply. And that was costing Russia like several billions just to keep water to the people of Crimea. And some of these people are Russian. Some of these people are Ukrainian. Like stuff like that, people don't see happening in the background. And that's really us sticking our nose in that led to this. And then. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And they were about to make peace. And guess what? Boom. Uh, Borjan, you know, I remember back in early April, they were they had settled and were about to sit down and draw the terms of a peace accord, which would have been ceding eastern Ukraine to Russia, which I mean, Russia took anyways, let's be honest, especially after Azov saw and uh, Mariupol fell. But, you know, they were about to do that. And then Bojo flies in Boris Johnson, for those that don't know. And he's just like, nah, nah, you, you can't let you do that Star Fox. And then next thing you know, you know, they all go. Yeah. And and you you and I know damn well who who gave him that direction. That was not mm-hmm. a, a strictly uh, you know UK led choice. Uh, I, I I would be absolutely stunned if Victoria Newland didn't pick up the phone, or if it wasn't Biden who picked up the phone. Uh, oh, so cute. There's mm-hmm. my little tornado. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean you're 110 percent right. It was the Uniparty made the call, and they're like, guys, we got to do this. And you know, it's it's interesting because it's like. When we stopped, when we drew down our presence in the Middle East, there had to be some kind of uh, cash cow, some kind of area to test all these defense contractor weapons. I'm sure, sure you can go back and go into the details of those contracts and, you know, those no bid contracts and stuff a whole lot better than I can. But there was, oh, just, yeah. you know, Ukraine was always in the books and the war with Russia was always going to happen. You know, we had the a lot of people don't even remember what happened after the fall of the Soviet Union, where, again, the IMF basically engaged in what was called shock therapy, where we convert a formerly Soviet or, you know, formerly communist communist area into a capitalist area. Well, we we're giving Russians vouchers and stuff when they didn't even have food and drink and didn't know what to do. And we we're and then we were sending our bankers in to basically buy them out of that and, you know, buy up their industry for cheap. And guess who helped them do it? The oligarchs. What a lot of people don't understand is that when Putin took power, a lot of these oligarchs, which helped sell most of the Russian Federation out to the West, were basically kicked out. A lot of them don't like Putin. Guess where they went? To the U.S. And ever since then, we've had a increased media push to, you know, get back at Russia to, to finish what we started. And it's mainly because Russia is a massive competitor for oil. You know, that's why we couldn't do the Qatar Turkey pipeline, because a lot of Russian, you know, a lot of Russian allies in the Middle East basically said, no, we're not going to let you do, do this. You know, uh, again, we're not going to let you move, move this uh, pipeline and start constructing this pipeline through our territory. And so, again, it all goes back. to It's uh, it's a lot further than most people even have it, the attention span to even think about or consider. Uh, that's that's the huge problem, man, because uh, I mean, you did a great synopsis and. Uh, I'll add to that that you know Lindsey Graham and John McCain are on the ground in Ukraine in 2018, saying you know Ooh, next yeah. year is the war is the year of offense, mm-hmm. and they're I mean it's a civil war at that point. They're bombing the east, and and you know to pretend as if this is not the war that the U.S. wanted, I just think is totally delusional. Uh, yeah. My con- my concern is like as as happy as it makes me to see the conservatives kind of in alignment with the libertarians on this one where they can see what you and I are talking about right now. Mm -hmm. I fear that they don't share the same hesitancy to escalate a war 
over Taiwan with China, which is once again a nuclear power. And while I I personally believe that China is a much bigger threat to the U.S. than I do think Russia is, because I don't think that Russia is a big threat except for its nuclear arsenal, um, I don't want a war with them. I don't. So... Do you think that the conservatives like uh, the reason I bring it up is because your buddies with po- Posobiec and and he talks about China a hell of a lot. And, and I'm I'm concerned that that's where the conservatives will go. So we'll have like our two options will be World War Three with Russia or World War Three with China. And I don't want either. Yeah, honestly, I think the one that would probably end up being the aggressor more more over than not would be China. But at this point, because we basically threw our own incompetence, driven Russia and China together into a uh, you know semi partnership, right. where China bankrolls Russia, and you know we do things like sell off our SPR reserves to lo and behold China. I mean, I know we're selling it off to everybody on open market, but China's out there buying our SPR, and then meanwhile we're also getting most of our pharmaceuticals from China as well as still kowtowing to the who who is again controlled by china we're basically doing uh funding our own enemies yeah we are fight, you know to fight a war so it's like it's inexorable now you go to war with uh you go to war with uh china over taiwan guess what you're you're in hot war with uh russia but I it's think like that's fair yeah mm-hmm. but it's like if you go to war with russia there's also a chance that you're in in war with china because again china is a uh you know china's using russia as kind of this cudgel now so in Russia, because they were kicked off of SWIFT, they don't have payment processors. They, you know, they basically moved over into the, that, uh, you know, that brick. They leaned further into the BRICS infrastructure, you know, kind of like how you have the Apple ecosystem of uh, things. You know, you got your iPhone, AirPod, your MacBook, your iPad. Right, like right, now right. they're over in the BRICS ecosystem <laughs> when it comes to the payment processing and everything else. So, yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I, and I think you're right, too. And also, I think that China is is pretty dependent on russia for its oil uh supply so like i don't yeah. think that china is going to allow this to go down without a fight mm-hmm. and and i think that they're i mean the reason that i'm not that worried about china is because i think that their economy is a house of cards i think it's built yeah. off of People debt and, and central planning and i'm just like look i don't think this is going to be sustainable long term so i would rather just let their terrible economic management kind of undermine them the problem is is that the u.s is following in their fucking footsteps they're they're doing all this crazy stuff when it comes to borrowing and spending and and central planning and spying on the american people and basically creating uh, a ccp styled governmental model and economic model and and i just i don't know if we can turn that clock back Uh, well first off do you think i'm overstating it and two do you think that there's any political will from the from the right wing that we we can actually salvage this thing because i'm not so sure anymore we could but again a lot of the right wing is going to have to stand up and you know you brought up one good thing when you said that china's economy is a house of cards because yes a lot of their infrastructure crumbles they are like literally one default away from a complete economic collapse but what part of the issue is and part of the reason why they probably won't is because they have enough investment in other nations you know they bought up most of the ivory coast they're they're buying up farmland in the u.s you know they're they're literally investing all over the world and buying up tangible assets for their, you know, sort of centrally planned funny money. And so they're, they're basically, yeah, they're, they're putting backing behind it. So it's like you had a paper tiger, but now the tiger's starting to get a little bit of flesh and bones here because we're allowing it to through, you know, just sheer incompetence. Meanwhile, everybody's being invested in by China and they're investing in China and they're divesting from the Western sphere. So, 
that's part of the issue with the whole uh you know the oil price cap and you know yeah, china yeah taiwan even you, a lot of people don't know this taiwan even joined and uh, joined china in a uh complaint or grievance process i forget what it's called against u.s imposing price caps on russian oil hmm. like it's getting to the point now where again it's salvageable but it's gaining critical mass because you've got so many moving parts and so many complex players that we don't know necessarily if we will be able to, you know, sort of turn the pendulum back in time. Like I yeah. actually just applauded Matt Gates. You know, I was watching his Tim Cast with Matt Gates, and I actually applauded what he did, you know, on the house floor. Like that was amazing. But at the same time, you know, you got to think about it. And I did a tweet a tweet series about this. We're currently just now having our rebellion and revolution within the Republican Party. The Dems already had that arc. And now, you know, they're basically marching in lockstep. The establishment won out over this upsurge, you know, this upswell from the squad and the more populist side of them, you know, the Sanderites and the AOC, you know, foot pick lovers and all of those people. <laughs> you know, all those people have kind of fallen in line, in line with the establishment Dems. And so now they have mandates to do whatever they want. And, you know, mm. they, they've got their eyes on a bigger prize. Meanwhile, we're just now trying to get our ducks in a row in the party to then start exporting that to actual policy positions so that mm. we can sort of steer the ship back in, into a uh, direction. And we still don't have full control. You know, McCarthy is not. I mean, granted, now we we're kind of in a position to where we can you know get rid of McCarthy if one member wants to call a vote on him and all it takes is 218 but still that's uh you know that's still scary because they're still infighting there's still holdouts there's people that want the court and you know basically suckle on that military industrial complex teat right and so we got to figure out what exactly we're going to do what's the plan of action how are we going to do it and we've got to be crafty with it and that's something yeah. that you know uh, being a libertarian, I'm pretty sure you can see from the outside looking in. Republicans have never been all that crafty, you know. Yeah, well, I, I don't. It's like I don't think that they're not smart. I just think that they're kind of corrupt, and and mm -hmm. that's that's kind of worse, you know. Like <laughs> like you could just replace the dumb stagnant corruption though, because there's two different types of corruptions. Democrats are corrupt too, but of they course, there there's some tri those are some tricky buggers right there, you know. Yeah, no, that's true. That mm -hmm. they are more conniving. I'll, I'll, I'll grant mm -hmm. them that. Um, but I I agree with you. Like uh, even as a libertarian who's not a GOP guy, like I am, I am filled with hope over someone like Matt Gates. Like Matt Gates mm -hmm. in those twenty holdouts, and then even though Thomas Massey wasn't a holdout, he's my guy. Like mm -hmm. those twenty one or so uh, congressional members are are very, very closely in alignment with someone yeah. like me. And, and that, you know, that does give me hope. But then you think about it and you're like, shit, we got 435 congressmen and there's 21 people that are in alignment with me. Like I don't stand much of a chance mm -hmm. there, but they are the margin. So they can like, they have outsized sway. They're basically like the undecided voters. Like no one, if you're yeah. hardline GOP or Dem, like it doesn't matter. Your votes go into them anyways, but it's those it's those undecided voters that actually shift elections. And that's what these yeah. 21 people are. So do you think that they well, first off, do you think that they will they that they have the will to pursue some of the things that you and I would be in alignment with in terms of perhaps investigating? I would like to see the FBI abolished, but at a minimum, hard investigations as to see what's going on, uh, you know, defunding of the IRS, these, all these things that, or, or I mean, at the highest level of my, my appreciation list would be if they were to actually defund the, the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, 
you think that any of this happens? Honestly, I would say, look, we'd be lucky. We have a lottery tickets winning chance of even one of these things happening. But at the same time, though, at the, which, by the way, uh, at the time he's speaking, this I, I hear the Powerball is uh, second highest in history. Go get your tickets. If oh shoot, never mind. Drawing probably already happened. Sucks oh, well, to suck, guys. But it, no. it'll be three billion by next week. Don't worry about it, folks. Yeah, but I mean, at this point, we have a lottery ticket chance of ha- having one of this happen because, again, like you said, it was only twenty-one members that stood up. The, there's a lot of people. You know, McCarthy. He said he was willing to wage a endless war over this just because he's got his hands tied behind his back and he's having to make these concessions doesn't mean he's not plotting actively in the background and then you also have the other side of the aisle which is willingly and openly saying okay guys we're not going to let this happen and they have the majority in the senate which number one that's the that's a big deal they've already got control of doj you know merrick garland he you know I don't care if he is, you know, investigating Biden or appointing a special counsel to do so. He is still through and through a partisan actor. So any, yeah. So any investigation, what's going to come of it? I don't know. But these are good symbolic gestures. They they plant the seeds. And I made this point on another podcast. I can't remember which. But when you plant the seed of, say, defunding and like it's like the Green New Deal, like we knew most of the stuff from the Green New Deal was never going to make it right and right, right. You planted the seeds of that idea of a legislation and that will inspire future legislation future bills which will have parts of it so defunding the irs getting rid of the atf which i hope they do but you know again that's another story certain things like this certain investigation that we're pushing for probably won't happen but they're going to make it easier for us to tip the domino and get something in the future okay well, I hope there is a future, man. As long as we avoid World War III, there, they, I, uh, I, I have a decent amount of optimism. But, man, in the short term, I am very skeptical. And I think that also no. the the inflationary period I'm that we're glowing. dealing with. What's I that? To, I, I'm not glowing, so that's a good, that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, I mean that nothing matters if that happens. So, I, God, I, God, I hope it doesn't happen. It, it yeah. would be so, it would be so insane if like the Biden family corruption and the I mean, not just the Democrats, but also some GOP members, Mitt Romney, for instance, they've been making millions off of their shady business deals with Ukraine and China, I might add, uh, for a very long time. And it's like if we if we end human civilization because our political class is corrupt, damn it, that sucks. That is awful. Awful. Yeah, I know. You literally just got ended by the nerds that weren't talented enough to be the actors or were they good looking <laughs> enough to be news anchors. And it's just like Man, you, you really, you got to suck to let the people who literally do nothing actually do something. And the first thing they do is screw you. Oh, man. Yeah. And talk about really screwing us if it goes that route. So I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and, and just hope that that good wins out here because uh, it's got to. It's just got to. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people like you give me hope, man. For real. Like, I, I love I love your energy. I think that that, uh, you know, there's there's a lot more of, a, of an alignment between the what i consider like the actual liberty minded conservatives mm-hmm. and then the actual libertarians and and i think that there can be some um you know fruitful alliances moving yeah. forward and i don't i don't view you guys as my enemy that's for damn sure um mm-hmm. so i hope even though even though i've been getting dragged by like matt walsh and all these motherfuckers for a while i, I hope that most in the gop yeah, realize that many libertarians are actually 
uh, very, very close to what you actually want. Like, like yeah. everything that a GOP politician campaigns on, that's the shit we're about. So, like, exactly. why is there animus here? It's so weird. Yeah, man. People want to be the main character. You know, I, I remember I was on the space with Poso and we were talking about uh, main character syndrome. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be the main character. And that's, uh, you know, part of what we're going to have to get over in terms of politics. Not everybody's going to have their name on a bill. But guess what? If you don't want to support the bill because you're just not going to be featured, then you're never going to even get the bill in the first place. Forget taking credit for it. So it's like, right. you know, I think we all have to just sort of put put our differences aside and realize and. Back when I was in the anarchist community, I I told them this as well. I was like, you guys can argue about anarcho-syndicalism, anarcho-communism, <laughs> anarcho-capitalism, anarcho-primitivism, anarcho-trans. You can argue about all these different theories, but guess what? If you don't start educating people and you know doing the groundwork, telling people about it, you're never going to get to have this anarchist utopia where you then finally come together and counsel and decide or duel to the death about which anarchy that you're going to, you know, Dude, abide under. Could not agree more. I, mm -hmm. I, because I'm a, I'm an anarcho-capitalist. I, I used to get dragged into those uh, debates sometimes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, look, I ain't debating with y'all anymore. We're so far away from any of that shit. Like, what are we even it's, talking it's about tiring. right now? <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> so uh, I just, it. I just don't spend any time on it anymore. But um you know hey keep fighting the good fight on on the internet folks i i'm not you know i don't i don't think it's changing anything but feel free uh, yeah. but yeah i think i think there's just so much urgent tyranny that we're all facing mm -hmm. that like let's let's try and come together and lock in on that nice. anyways man really really appreciate the time go ahead and tell people where they can follow support you everything else all right, guys, if you uh, I don't know if it's showing, but if you just look at my little handy dandy name badge, it is actually showing where you can follow me at. And now if you want to go a step further and you want to find my other socials or and or, you know, use any of my services, I do help people with resumes and things of that nature. Go ahead and go to my website, www.flexyoursuccess.com, all one word. Once again, that's going to be www.flexyoursuccess.com. I love and it. So follow me there. You know, follow me everywhere and uh, just uh, see what I got cooking, because I guarantee you I'll probably hap happen upon or fall into some other, you know, grand appearance that I make light of or screw up. <laughs> but we'll, see. well, I think I think you're going to do some special shit. I honestly I do. And, and uh, you know, the fact that you're approaching it with such a, a level of casualness um, even makes me more confident because the fact that you've been doing all this stuff that you've been doing and you haven't made it like the focus of your life tells me that if you ever choose to make it your focus, it's going to be something special, man. So keep from after it, right? God's ears, man. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> it's going to happen, brother. I'll tell you. Mm -hmm. All right, man. Talk to you soon. If anybody wants to support my work, go to libertylockdown.locals.com. We are out. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?